It's awesome. It's great to see everybody here today. Great worship today. Um, it's a beautiful day today. It's going to get up to 40 degrees today. Come on, somebody. It's going to feel like Miami. It's amazing. Um, but, uh, man, we are so glad that you guys are here today. Come on. We got everybody watching with us online. Online, we love you, church. Can we welcome everybody who's watching with us online? Glad that you're with us today. And I want, before we jump into our, our content, I want to encourage you to do the Advent devotionals with us. All right, this is something uh, like uh, Nathan was talking about during announcements that you're going to be getting, your kids are going to be getting little, uh, little ornaments. Do you have them right there? You, oh, I, I, I saw you getting up. It's almost like you were, you were like, you're getting, yeah, come on. I mean, great. Thank you. This great, great job. Okay, awesome. So thank you. It's kind of impromptu as well. But um, Really, really cool, great opportunity for you and your family to go through the meaning for Christmas, all right? So we've been doing this for, I don't know, five, six years as a family. Uh, we take a little tree and we, we decorate. It's a separate tree that we, we go through and we talk about each day leading up to Christmas, the true reason for the season. And so uh, I, I promise you, this will make a difference for you. This will make a difference for your marriage, and this will definitely make a difference for your family. So if you have kids, definitely do this. If you don't have kids, definitely do this. If you're married, definitely do this. If you're not married, definitely do this. So you know what that means. That's all. Yeah, thank you. That's it. All of us do this. I, pr I really promise you, I'm, I make this commitment. Going through this will keep you centered as you go through the holiday season. As you lead up to Christmas, you're going to be centered. Because how many of you know Target wants you to be centered? <laughs> On the wrong Target. Oh, my gosh. That was unplanned. And I'm writing it down for second service because I'm pretty proud of it. Oh. Just kidding. Um, but no, it really will help you. It really will help you keep your, keep your soul centered on what, what the season's all about. Because it's not about more stuff. It's not, it's not about food, although food is amazing. Um, it's, it's not even about singing Christmas carols, although Christmas carols can help us find the true reason for the season. Uh, if, the, if they're rooted in theological uh, rootedness, I guess you would say. Like, uh, the reason for the season is Jesus. That he came, that God so loved the world that he sent his, his one and only son. That's the reason. And so this, this little devotional will help you. And that's what we want to do as a church. That's what we're all about. We're all about helping all of us find and follow Jesus. And if you believe that, say, I do. Okay. Um, well, hey, we're in the third and final week of a series that we've called Overflow. And uh, we're, we're talking about the power of generosity. We're talking about the difference that generosity makes in our lives. And uh, we started this series talking about the difference between Niagara Falls and uh, the Dead Sea. And so if you missed it, here's just a quick recap. If you were there, here's a quick recap. Um, Niagara Falls is located between two bodies of water. And, and because it's located between two bodies of water and it empties into a larger body of water, it is a conduit. It's a conduit of of, of, you could say, of blessing in, in, in a sense. And so water is flowing through Niagara Falls at such a rate that literally millions of people are able to get electricity off of it. And not only that, but there's some of the best fishing in the world. All the fishermen said, amen. amen. All right, a few of you, let's go. 
um, salmon, um, other fish that I can't remember because it was two weeks ago. Good fish, all right? Um, you can tell I'm not a fisherman. Didn't really impact me. There's fish in Niagara Falls. And, and the idea is there's, there's lots of life. There's lots of sustenance. There's lots of things happening because it's a conduit. But then we looked at the Dead Sea, and we talked about how the Dead Sea is not a conduit. It is an end to itself. And because the Dead Sea is an end to itself, nothing can live in it. Everything just accumulates. And, and so it's actually, it's actually static. There's, there's no life. There's no fish. Nothing can exist in it. And how as believers, as people, as, as certainly followers of Christ, we want to be full of life. Amen. You want, to, you want to be a conduit. You don't want to just accumulate more. You want to be a blessing to others. And, and really, this is, if you want to simplify life, if you want to break it down and, and, and in a sense oversimplify it, but I think it's accurate. If you want to simplify life, it comes down to living two ways. It comes down to living tight-fisted or open-handed. That's really what it comes down to. If you think about it, it's very, very simple how we live our life. We're tight-fisted or open-handed. We're Ebenezer Scrooge or Bob Cratchit, right? Like we're, we're either Smeagol or Gollum. Lord of the Rings. It's a great time to watch Lord of the Rings. The fall time, winter time. It's been a while since I've watched it. I'm going to make a commitment in front of all of you today to watch Lord of the Rings. But, but what it, it's, what's powerful about it, if, if you've never seen it, is it, it, it talks about this guy. It shows, it literally communicates this guy who's living for himself. And because of it, he's consumed. He's consumed with himself versus when he's free of himself, he's dancing and he's excited and he's, he's free. This is the difference between greedy and generous. And it's the power of radical generosity. Let me read a verse to you today. Um, it, it's, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but it says this in Proverbs 11. It's the message paraphrase. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. How many of you have seen that play out in someone's life? Come on, just let me, just raise your hand if you've ever seen that, Right? Have you seen how people who are really generous, like it just seems like their world expands? It just gets, even, it doesn't mean, like this isn't talking about material things, although I, we've talked about sowing and reaping, it can refer to that. This is just talking about a quality of life. Like people who live open-handed, like they're just, they're happy, they're excited, they're, they're, they've, always got, they've always got more to share. Do you, know, you know what I'm talking about, these types of people? And verse 25 says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So this is what it's saying. It's saying, when we live generously, our world gets larger, and God's word and work goes forward, and people are helped because of it, and ultimately, it builds the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. How many of you ever heard that phrase, the kingdom of God? Just raise your hand at me, okay? So most of us, but what, what does the kingdom of God mean? I want to talk about this just for a few moments because it's going to really play in as we talk about our last week of generosity, which is the, the path of generosity, where generosity takes us. I want to talk about the kingdom of God just for a second. 
When Jesus is, is uh, on his earthly ministry, when he's doing his earthly ministry, he's teaching, he's talking about uh, God, he's talking about how to get to God, and he, and he talks about this idea about the kingdom of God. And it's, it's basically saying, like, he'll use things like the, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field or a farmer who sowed seed. It's this idea that Jesus has a kingdom that he is building, and it's not like earthly kingdoms that have geographical boundary markers. It's a kingdom of the spirit. It's a kingdom of people. It's a, peop- it's a kingdom of people coming to faith, and he is building it, and he is at the center of it, and he is the king of it. It's the kingdom of God. Now, let me just show you in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about this, and he uses this idea of a building. So he's talking about, okay, here's the kingdom. Jesus is building his kingdom. It's people growing in faith, and And it looks like a building. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You guys are no longer away, but you've been brought in. See, this is where we fall into two camps as well. Either we're away from God or we're following God. And he's saying now that you've been brought in, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Okay, so what he's saying there is God's building a building. Jesus is the cornerstone, the capstone, the beginning. It's, he's the foundation and he's putting all of us together in it. So he's basically saying, you are a part of the kingdom of God. So when you put your faith in Christ, you are a part of it, and you help build it. So why don't you turn to that person next to you and just look them in the eye and say, hey, you're kind of a big deal. Come on, just tell that person next to you, say, you're kind of a big deal. You're a big deal because think about this for a moment. This is crazy. This is amazing. God is building the most important thing in the history of the world, his kingdom. And he is using you and I to do it. That's incredible. So he lays the foundation, and then we all put our part. We all play our part. We all place our brick, as it were. You have a brick. You have a place, you have a role, and as you use your part, as you do your part, as you place your brick, you build the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's what's really cool. This is how you can know that it's, that it's real. Because what happens when you start following God is you actually start caring about other people following God. Have you noticed this? Like, like, let's be honest, like, I mean, without Jesus, you're kind of like, it's survival of the fittest, right? It's like, as long as I'm getting mine, I'm good. But like, when, when you start following God, what happens is God starts transforming your heart, and you actually start caring about other people, like to where you start praying for other people, you know, and, and not just like in a, like, I, I hope they don't get hit by a bus kind of humanitarian kind of way. 
But like in a genuine, like I care for their soul that they find God kind of way. And oh, here's a missionary going across the world to tell people about Jesus. And so I want to pray for them and I want to support them and I want to give to them. Have you noticed this? It's crazy. It's the kingdom of God. And so what God does is he puts this in your heart. To where you start caring about others. You start caring about other people finding Jesus. And it's, it's how God is building his kingdom. And, and so I want to talk about what we've been talking about in this series is, is how we do that. We talk about generosity week one, just sowing generosity, just living open-handed. Uh, last week we talked about the power of the tithe and how God uses the tithe to build the local church and to make sure there's food in the storehouse. And today I want to talk about how God uses us to build a kingdom in radical generosity, where he wants us to, to be, a, be about people that we may never even meet, to be, about, to be about giving to situations and circumstances that don't benefit us at all. And this is above and beyond generosity. And there's two ways. Uh, I want to give you like two practical ways we do that at Summit Park, and then I want to give you a, a few verses, and then we're just going to pray. But the first way we do radical above and beyond generosity at Summit Park is kingdom builders. Everybody say kingdom builders. Kingdom builders. All right. This is kingdom builders is global projects. It's the training of future leaders and it's local church expansion. And I want to talk, I, I think we have a list of some of the kingdom builders partners that we partner with. All right. So here you can see some of the different partners that we partner with, Team Challenge, Backyard Orphans, uh, Project Rescue, Mercy Ministries. Uh, they, they, they work a lot with, uh, with people who are struggling with addiction and, and getting them on their feet. Uh, we work with uh, Hope House KC. We work with uh, Speed the Light. Uh, World Serve International. They plant uh, water wells all over Africa. Convoy of Hope. We partner with Convoy of Hope. One of the cool things at Convoy is their, their disaster relief organization. Um, they're help, they've helped with Hurricane Ian. They help all over the world. And they are currently feeding 465,000 children a day. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. That's, um, that's incredible. God's Bucket Brigade. I mean, you can just see the list goes on and on and on. And so this is, these are the partners that we, uh, that we partner with here at Summit Park. And so what we do is we take above and beyond giving and we, we just give to them. We give to those organizations. And so far this year, this is really amazing, especially in a building uh, campaign, which we're currently in as we're expanding. This year, we've already raised $93,000 for Kingdom Builders. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's amazing. So we're getting ready, actually, to write a bunch of checks, which is super fun. It's super fun. Uh, to these organizations, because this is, this is the big fundraising time for them, and, and we're getting ready to send them a bunch of money, and I just want to say thank you for your generosity. It is so much fun to be able to be generous as a church. So that's, that's, the, that's one way we do above and beyond giving. I want to encourage you to, to partner with us in that. The other thing is the forward campaign. So we're currently in a building campaign. As we raise money, as we just finished out this building that we're, that we're uh, sitting in today, um, we just moved in in, in uh, March or April, right at Easter is when we moved in. 
And the story on this building, I want to take a minute and explain to some of those of you who are new, because we've had so many new people coming. The story behind this, this building is that uh, we, we are a church, Summit Park Church is a church plant that started nine years ago, and we started in the community center uh, right across the highway there, right next to the water park, Summit Ways Water Park. We met in a gym with two little classrooms and uh, with a pipe and drape, and we, we just started from scratch. That's, that's how we started our church, and we felt like the Lord was, was speaking uh, to us to do it, and man, has he helped us. It's been amazing. Several years ago, we reached out to Lee Summit First Church, which was the church that was meeting here, and their church would have been about 90 years old today, like this year, which is pretty amazing. Started 90 years ago by two women, and, um, and, and the church just grew and ended up becoming an Assemblies of God church, and we approached them about a partnership merging opportunity uh, several years ago initially. And Pastor Roger was, was really interested and excited about it. And, and then the timing just wasn't right. So we, we, we prayed, timing wasn't right, prayed, timing wasn't right over the course of a couple of years. And then in 2020, we picked back up the conversation and ended up merging uh, in uh, 2021 and then started renovation on this building. And we were able to put about $7 million into this building and into uh, and, and, and the uh, property as well. And so, some of you remember what this building looked like. It's changed a lot. We opened up a lot of the, uh, opened up all the lobby space so that that natural light could come in. We expanded the, uh, the auditorium, took all of the little rooms that were in here out, completely uh, renovated. We raised the floor. Uh, the, the hallways were very tight for the kids. And so we expanded those hallways, opened all of that stuff up. We added uh, the kids' chapel onto this space. Uh, redid everything. Basically, there's not a pre-existing piece of electrical in this building. Everything, we moved every wall, almost except for that last, or that, that back auditorium wall. We even moved the auditorium walls in, and uh, it was just a massive, massive renovation. And so, but praise the Lord, we're here today, and we're halfway through what is going to be two phases. So we're working on this building, and we're also working on, on the building next door, which is going to be our ministry center, uh, where our offices are going to be. Uh, we're going to have a counseling center there, Lord willing, potentially a coffee shop and maybe an event space on the first floor. But I want to take a minute and show you just a few of the pictures of what phase two is going to look like, um, Lord willing. And we're going to show that picture. Here we go. This would be the outside. So you can see uh, the current, like to the left, is where we're meeting now. To the right is what would be new construction. So all of that would be new, new construction for phase two, um, which would be really, really great. And it would allow us to basically double our capacity, which if you've been a part of the services, you know, like they were, they've been full almost right, right from the beginning where we've grown by 50% uh, a year over year uh, almost. And so, yeah, and then we can go to the next, this would be the ministry center, a future rendering of that. Uh, potentially, and then um, well, this will be the lobby for the new, everybody say, ooh, it's so great, lots of glass, um, very excited about that, right on the highway, just, just telling everybody, come on in, come on in here, because the best is yet to come, and, um, and then we can go to the auditorium, and this will be like the auditorium would be like, so it's basically like this, just bigger, Okay, so we have more space, um, which, is, which is great. 
And, uh, you know, big church, like, it's not about having a big building. It's just about reaching more people. That, that's, that's what it's about. And, and you know what? And here's the cool thing about what this would allow, that would allow us to do in this building is this would, that would allow us to make all of this building into kids and students, which is really fantastic. So we take part of the, this building or this room and we'd make like a, a, a chapel for junior high uh, age, and then we take a lot of this and make class space, and then maybe take some space over here. Uh, this space over here, you guys are in like in the play area, so you're already having fun, okay? So um, that, that's kind of the idea. That's kind of the idea, is, is, is not only on Sundays that we'd have a, a place for people to come, but even during the week, we'd have a place for moms and dads to come, check their kids in, and have a great time, and, and ex- ex- receive ministry. So it's really, really exciting. And, and again, it's not about buildings, but here's what's cool. This year alone, this year alone, which is amazing, since, since we've moved in um, and, and a couple months before, we've had 516 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Let's get excited about that. That's amazing. That's cool. So that's, that's, what, that's what we're doing. And so we're we're doing above and beyond. We've already raised over $1.4 million for our forward campaign. So amazing job. Way to go, church. Thank you so much for your generosity. But it's cool because God is using all of that to overflow. It's making a difference. It's making an impact in people's lives. In fact, as I started describing uh, the, the 516 people who've made decisions, you got excited. Why did you get excited? Because the kingdom is moving in your heart. And the kingdom is expanding, and we care about this because we're following Jesus, and we want as many other people to find and follow Jesus as possible. Amen? Like, this is the point. Like, if we believe anything that we believe in the Bible, this is the point. It's certainly not just accumulating more stuff. It's about being a vehicle that God uses to bless others. Now, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about how do you play your part? How do you play your part in overflow? And that's what I want to look at for a few moments with you. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. A little bit of a different Sunday today as we're talking about over and above generosity. But John chapter 6, I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Because it talks about how do all of us partner with God to help other people find and follow Jesus? How do all of us serve as conduits of overflow John chapter 6 is the feeding of the 5,000, and it's really more like 15 to 20,000 when you factor in the women and children who are probably there. But what it teaches us is that you don't have to be a millionaire to make a difference. You just have to bring what you have. And God uses that, and he uses the collective efforts of all of us to do the impossible. So I want to I, I jump in, look at John t- chapter 6. I want to just walk through these verses and then, and, then, and then pray about what God will be speaking to our hearts at the end. Uh, but I think it's very powerful. It's a powerful story, and I think we're all going to walk away better. If you're ready to jump in, say am. Amen. All right. John 6 says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. 
When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. All right, I want to pause for a moment, because uh, here's this word test come up again. Um, how many of you hate taking tests? I, I thought when I graduated college, I was done taking tests. I was just getting started. How many know life is a continual test? And what Jesus is doing, he's testing his disciples. Now, here's the thing. Jesus knows that they don't probably have enough money to buy bread for enough people, all the people who are there. And even if they did, there's no way that they can find the bread. They're out, they're out away from everything. They'd have to go in. And so the disciples are like, this is impossible. Jesus is setting them up for a literal impossibility. I want to pause for a moment because I want to bring uh, to all of our attention that sometimes God will call us to do something that is bigger than us. A lot of people will say, oh, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I know they're well-meaning, but they're wrong. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But you know, you know where people get that idea? They get it from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So I, I want to just kind of like, like kind of burst this myth with all of us today. 1 Corinthians 10 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. I think people, when they say God won't give you more than you can handle, they're talking about that verse. But God never says he's not, he, he won't give you more than you can handle. In fact, if you look at the Bible, it's full of God giving people more than they can handle. <laughs> it's one story after another of God just making life really, really challenging for people. I mean, look at it. Going all the way back to Abraham, the father of the faith, right? God's like, hey, I want you to step out and go to a place. And I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go. I just want you to do it. And Abraham's like, all right, that sounds great. Or Moses. He calls Moses to go back to a place he did know but didn't want to go back to. God's like, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. And Moses is like, no, 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 they're going to kill me. And God's like, yeah, I know, but I'm with you. It's good. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, when you get there, you're going to go through all of these impossibilities, all of these plagues, and then you're going to walk people through the, through the ocean. It's impossibility after impossibility after impossibility. Elijah calling down um, uh, fire when he's facing the prophets of Baal. Or Peter when he walks on water. Jesus is out there just hanging out, moonwalking on the water. And he's like, Peter, why don't you come out here? And Peter's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. Jesus is constantly calling people to do things that are beyond themselves. <laughs> why? Why, do, why, is he so, why is he so mean? You know why? Because, because when when we stop trusting in ourselves and start trusting in him and take steps of faith where our faith is 100% in him, that's when our faith is where it needs to be and it's where God shows up and does his best work. And that's where he wants to get us. 
That's where God wants to get you, to where you're stopping focusing on yourself and you're beginning to focus on him. It's it's tight-fisted versus open-handed. It's like, God, I'm all in this. Let's go. What could you do? That's the difference. So God will call us to something. So he's, he's got these disciples together, and, and he says, and he says I, you know, I, I'm going to test them. I want to I suggest to you, I wonder if God is testing some of you today. Maybe even as I started talking about going beyond yourself, you knew the situation that I was thinking about or that uh, you were thinking about a situation in your, own, in your own life. That God's calling you to something that's bigger than you. That God's calling you something that is beyond you. Maybe it's, it's to lead something. Maybe it's to start something. Maybe it's to go ahead and try to, to have kids. Maybe it's, maybe it's to begin a company, a business. Whatever it is, and you're feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe it's to start a small group. You're like, man, I know we should, but I don't think that we can. That's the perfect place you need to be because that's when God shows up. I wonder if God is testing some of us today. What's cool is that it says Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. How many of you know Jesus always has something in mind? He's always got a plan. He's always working a plan. He's got something figured out even before you get to the situation. And it's not just a plan for the special people on the platform. Praise God. He's got a plan for your life. He has a detailed, specific plan that he has been working from the beginning of time. And he has brought you to the place you are, especially, specifically, for such a time as this. God has put you in the family that you're in. He's put you in the relationships that you have. He's put you with the resources that you have to do something amazing. He has. He's placed you right there. And he has a detailed, specific plan. He's got something in mind for you. And he's testing Philip right now in this story. But Philip only sees things in the natural. Let's look at it. Verse 7. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And what's interesting is Philip is going to miss out on this miracle. Someone else is going to be a part of it. We're going to see this in a second. Philip is going to miss out because he's so focused on what he can see instead of what God can do. And this is where faith has to come in. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So he's basically saying, hey, listen, it takes faith to come to God in the first place. Initially, you've got to believe that God is real and that everything we see is made by God. And then verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, Philip is missing out on the miracle because he doesn't have faith. He doesn't have faith. All he sees is what he can do instead of what God can do through him. It's easy to fall into the Philip trap, isn't it? I mean, all of us do it. It's like, 
well, I guess it's just always been this way, so I guess it's going to have to be this way. This is the way it is, and that's just no other change. That's been this way from the beginning of time. It's been as far as I can remember, this is how it's been. So I think it's just going to have to be this way. There's just no other way about it. <laughs> like, that's just how we do it. I mean, it's kind of an Eeyore men- mentality, right? It is what it is. <laughs> Says who? Not God. God's the one who speaks the world into existence. God can part a Red Sea. God can walk on water and then get people to do the same. God can do anything. God can take your impossibility and do something incredible with it. It's what he does. It's who he is. But we're For us, where it comes down to is, are we going to have an abundance mentality or a scarcity mindset? That's the difference. Philip has a scarcity mindset. Andrew, on the other hand, has an abundance mentality, or at least a little one. Look at this, verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with uh, five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So he gets this little boy who has a lunch, and he's like, hey, he's got some food. He's got some snacks. These fish probably would have been very small, very tiny fish. He's like, here's a boy who's got some fish and some bread. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. Jesus, you've done a lot. Maybe you could do something with this. Andrew doesn't have a lot of faith, but he's got just enough. He's got just enough. You don't have to have a ton of faith for God to do something great in and through your life. You have to have just enough. Just a little. Mustard seed faith. Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 17, he, he says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What will be impossible? Nothing. Mustard seed faith. And when you plant that seed, it grows. And you get strong, and people are blessed around you. That's the idea of the mustard seed tree, basically. You plant this little microscopic seed, and it grows into a tree that everybody is blessed by. Andrew kind of understands this. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. You know what that means? All you can eat, baby. All you can eat. That's the way God does it. Golden Corral. Well, for those of you who have been before, Lambert's. Just keep it coming. I'm not leaving. You're going to roll me out of here. I love this. When God meets a need, it's above and beyond. Do you see that? He's like, no, take whatever you need, as much as you need. It's not like going to like a wedding where there's some buffet Nazi on the other side who's portion controlling. Come on, somebody. You know what I've been, you know what I'm talking about? Like, just one spoon. That's it? I'm hungry. I want some of my money back that I was given in the card. No, you know, I'm just kidding. 
God never does the portion control. He's like, as much as, go ahead, take it. But what's interesting, look at this, he doesn't waste anything either. Verse 12, when they had all they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And a, and a lot of scholars believe like that was one for each disciple, right? So each disciple is walking home with their own little goodie bag, little doggy bag of, of the miracle that Jesus did. And watch this, verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. People are saying, that is the Messiah. Now here's the thing. Jesus gives a test. Philip fails it. Andrew passes it. And it all comes down to doing or believing God for the impossibility. Who was right in this situation? Was Philip right? I mean, did, they, did they have enough money? Did they have enough bread to do the miracle? No. He was right. But Andrew was more right. How many of you know you can be right and more right? Any married people in the house? Come on, somebody. Now you're right, but I'm more right. Like that's just how you... Philip was right, but Andrew was more right because he saw things not just as they were, but as they could be. He saw through the eyes of faith. The kingdom gripped his heart. This is natural and supernatural. There is what is and what can be. There is what I'm facing, but there's also what God can do. This is, this is the faith without limits. This is like, this is overflow. This is Niagara Falls kind of living. It's where God is doing so much in us and through us that the difference is absolutely substantial. This has been, I want you to just know it, church, this has been our story. We're literally living this. When we, when we started our church, we preached at James River and we preached a message about Peter walking on the water. And I said, you know, James River is kind of like a cruise ship. And we're like, you know, so it wasn't even just like a little step. It was kind of like a jump, you know, off the, off, the, off the top deck. It's what it felt like into no man's land. And God has gone before us amazingly. It's been so fun to watch. So fun to watch. He wants to do the same for you. He wants to do the same for you in your life with, with fullness of life, abundance of life. It all comes down to that willingness to say yes to what the Lord has. You know, Pastor Roger Horn is on our staff. He was the lead pastor of Lee Summit First Church. And we had had lots of conversations about what the Lord was doing and, and what God was speaking to us. And he has such an enthusiasm, even though, even though he knew what he would be giving up. He'd be giving up preaching every week, he began up being the leader of the church. But he, he saw what God could do. He saw, he saw beyond what was seen. But even before Pastor Roger, this church, this church has been built on that. Ed and Dormalee Collier drove by this piece of uh, property. Ed on his way to work at Pleasantly Middle School. 
saw this piece of property and saw and said, there needs to be a church there. Started circling it in prayer. Started circling it in prayer with his wife. They just started praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. Said it needs to be a church there. And they finally went to the board and said, we should buy that piece of ground. They bought the ground, but it took them about 10 years before they actually built on it. And as they were doing the groundbreaking, I went, well, let me show you some of the pieces of uh, or the pictures before the building was there. We have a couple pictures that I want to show you. So this is the property before the building was there. They got their sign out there. And there's the ministry center, what will be the ministry center. Uh, in the background, you can kind of see it right there. People with vision. And then here's the groundbreaking. I think it's amazing that what, it, what was a Unity Village office building is the ministry center in the background. And I don't know if we could skip back to that last picture there, if that's possible. Okay, isn't that amazing? They're doing this groundbreaking in front of what is a, a Colts building, office building. And we're going to redeem that building and use it for people to find and follow Jesus. Min, you know, ministries are going to be birthed out of that building. Counseling is going to happen in that building. Outreaches are going to be dreamed and planned in that building. And it's all because people were willing to see through the eyes of faith. What's interesting is there's no way Ed and Dormalee could have dreamed that what we're experiencing and Lord willing, what we're going to experience could have happened. But they played their part. That's it. See, that we're all just passing through this life, but we play our part. We place our brick and God builds it and God builds it and God builds on it. And, in, and Lord willing, we're gonna have this whole piece of like highway that just screams to people that God loves you and has a plan for your life. And if you'll step out and look to him, he'll do something amazing in your life. And so I just want to say, that's how we go, that's how we live in overflow. And so we have those little cards there on your seat. If you haven't filled one out yet, if you've been like, maybe this is your first time like in the overflow series or you just haven't wanted to fill it out um, or you filled it out last week and sent me a nasty note, that's okay, I love you and there's grace for you. Um, just kidding. Um, but if you're like, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. If you think I'm asking for money, I'm not. We're not even taking an offering right now. So that's how little we're, at, little we're asking for money. God, we talked about this last week. God doesn't want our money. He wants our heart. He wants us. And he wants to use us to play a part in what he's doing. And when we do, it's absolutely amazing. And God blesses us and he uses us. And we, and we operate not unlike Niagara Falls. So if you haven't filled that card out, I'd like to invite you to fill that card out and just take a step. Some of you, man, you haven't started giving at all. You could take a step, say, you know what? I want to start giving something. Take a step. Some of you are like, man, I've been giving, but I haven't been tithing 10%. You want to be like, okay, I want to tithe. Some of you have been doing both of those things. But you're like, you know what? I'm ready to give in overflow. I'm ready to go above and beyond. And you don't have to be a millionaire to make a difference. You just have to bring what you have. And Jesus takes it and he uses it to feed the multitudes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for this, uh, this powerful story, uh, for the story of our church, what you're doing in our lives. God, it's amazing. 
And Lord, we don't take it for granted. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing and what you want to do in our lives. And Father, we just ask that God, you would lead and that you would guide and that um, Father, you would stir our hearts for you. You would stir our hearts for you. And that God, we would take steps of generosity. We take steps of faith 